you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life, we understand how it is. Lawrence goes downfield, and the catch is made. Tua goes deep for Waddle, got him in stride. Touchdown, Alabama. Pat's interference. Jalen Hurts solidified himself. He will go down as probably one of my favorite players of all time. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. Alabama's offensive coordinator position has become just like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Don't you find it kind of shocking we haven't been taken off iTunes yet? Hey everyone, Christian Miller here, former Alabama linebacker number 47, and you're listening to Pat's Interference. Christian Miller, buddy, we wish you were still here, especially in light of the Dylan Moses news that came out today, the torn ACL. We'll talk about that in a moment, but first, you are listening to Pat's Interference. I hope everyone enjoyed the uh, negative void that is week zero of college football. That nonsense is over. We're moving on to week one. Some real games, a real week of college football, and a lot to digest, a lot to discuss. So we're going to break that down for you today. I'm Patrick Brickman, joined by my best friend in the whole world, Patrick Norwood. How you doing today, man? Today, today's been a weird one. I'm not going to lie. It's it's been a tough day. I'm ready for week one to get here tomorrow. Uh, just you know, end of the baseball season type of stuff, and then obviously the news about. Dylan Moses kind of hurts. I, I don't think anyone in college football is really excited about that. Maybe opposing quarterbacks, but that's about it. But it just just kind of a garbage day. We're also working through some technology issues. So if things sound weird today, that's why. It's not our faults. We're perfect. We are perfect. We've never made a mistake on this podcast. Not um, one. Not one. It, and even when we make the wrong uh, predictions, it's because of somebody else. We've Again, we don't make mistakes here. We're just... Uh, we're just two dudes that enjoy, well... What's better than this? Guys being dudes. We're just two dudes that enjoy talking about college football, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, Norwood, I know that you watched uh, the, the main attraction for Week Zero, and that was the Florida-Miami game. And I, was, I, I watched probably, at this point, I've gone back and watched about 90% of that game. So I've got a pretty good grasp at that uh, complete blunderbuss of a game. Can we call yeah, it that? It- it was it was definitely a week zero game if we've ever seen one, and it was definitely a Miami Florida game if we've ever seen one. You know, I think uh, I, I want to start with Miami first because I think that Jaron Williams uh, played a decent enough game to win the football game for Miami, right? I feel like that's fair to say. I think so. For apparently Dan Enos doesn't think so, but I thought he, yeah. you know, tr- tr- uh, redshirt freshman and playing in that kind of game and that kind of environment. Uh, I believe it was the most watched college football game on ESPN in in years. So, you know? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think uh, he went 19 for 30 for 214 yards and a touch. He did did make some some pretty uh, bad passes, some bad reads, but he killed him on the ground all day. Um, You know, it was was a tough game. you know, DJ Dallas had a great game too, 12 carries for 95 yards and a touch, but Miami just kept kind of sputtering. But the weird part was they didn't sputter as much as Felipe Franks and the Gators. I mean, he was all over the map. There were sometimes he would come out looking like John Elway, and then other times he would come out looking like Spencer Pennington. I mean, throwing two picks that were bad picks, uh, throwing two touchdowns that looked like great touchdowns, you know, uh, it was a very weird game to watch, and again, uh, P. Ryan never really showed up. Ten carries for forty-two yards. I, it just—it it was just a very odd ball game. Um, Miami's offensive line, poor Jaron Williams, man, he's going to take some hits. Ten sacks. 
10 sacks. 10 sacks. And I don't, I don't really know if that's uh, Florida's defensive line being good, which they are, or Miami's offensive line being that bad. But I, I bet it's a combination of both, I'd have to say. But at the same time, man, if you're Miami, you're going back to the drawing board just thinking, all right, we had 300 yards of offense. We only turned the ball over once, and we lost the game. 24-20, that final score. And uh, I, I mean, I, I personally very much enjoyed it because it wasn't my teams. But I got to say, if I was a, a fan of either of those teams, yeah, it would have been frustrating. Um, Florida yeah. definitely didn't look like the number eight team in the country. Miami, obviously, they aren't ranked but where where would you where would you put would you put Florida do you feel like Florida's the top 25 team after watching that or are we just going to sit here and go no they're still a really good top 15 top 10 team let's not overreact to week zero yeah I, I think it's it goes back to we can't overreact to things that happen early in the season now at the same time and at the same rate we can't overreact to things that happen earlier in the season but you also can't look at that Florida team and say, oh, well, they're number eight in the country. I still think they're a top 25 team, but I'd put them lower towards, you know, the the 20s, the early 20s, maybe 19 or 18. But again, we haven't seen anybody else really play other than Arizona, Hawaii, which we'll get into in a minute. But I want to see where Miami goes with this, too. You know, what kind of team Miami becomes. Um, this game was was a, a weird one also because there were so many special teams, snafus and, and, and all these different I don't. I don't even know how to how to describe it. There was just. Uh, I think Florida had four converted fourth downs and three converted third downs. Yep, that's a, I, that's one of those strange on stats for sure. Yeah, but it was it was very weird because I remember after Florida's first touchdown, I said, "Wait, how do they still have the ball?" We were texting and I was still working, and I said, "How do they still have the ball?" It was like fourth and two, and you're like, "Yeah, that fake punt." It's like, "Yeah, okay, that's a little weird." It was and an then awesome they did fake it punt, again later in the game. Um, so I, what I want to remind people of, because I do see a lot of people really writing Florida off as a team this year. Now I did on record say that I don't think they will be a 10 win team this season. You did, but you did say that. Um, I do want to remind people, you know, let's go back to a couple years ago when USC played Alabama and USC looked completely lost. That's the last good season they had. They went on to win 10 games. Uh, before that you had Ohio state losing to Virginia tech in week one of the season, then going on and winning out and winning a national championship. So a lot of these early season games are just that they're early season games. And once we get a couple weeks into the season, the, the teams won't look even remotely, you know, like that as we move on. So, um, yeah, yeah. It was fun uh, while we had it. It was thing, fun while we had it. Uh, the last thing I want to say is, uh, my favorite part of this game was Felipe Franks looking at the camera and saying, so I don't remember exactly what he said. He said something around, around the line. This is what I do. He said, this, this is what is I do. Yes, this is what I do. And then the next play, he threw a pick. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of after the game. He looks and sees, says, this is what I do. But then, yeah, was this when he threw the pick? They showed Spurrier up there? Yes. They, they, so the sequence was, he walked up to the camera and started jawing at it. I think he said something along the lines of, like, stop testing me. And then he may have said something like, this is what I do, or this is who I am, or you can come to expect this. Something around those lines. But he, he started saying that, and then literally they got the ball, and he threw one of the worst picks I've seen all season. Yeah, well, worst picks we've seen all season. and uh, Exactly. That's the joke. Yeah, <laughs> I get there the you joke. Go. You got it. You I got, got the it. joke. It took it me a second to, to, to catch up to what you were putting down. Um, yeah. That was a weird that, – that moment right there, that was a weird 10 minutes for football fans because that was – I mean, that you know they threw that pick 
when they really didn't need to be throwing the ball. At the same time, we're all ingesting the news that Andrew Luck is retiring. This isn't an NFL yes. podcast, yeah. so we won't go too much into that. But um, I will ask you, now that I've brought it up and we're on that subject, can you think of another quarterback or player of this caliber? I mean, we've had Calvin Johnson. We've seen Barry Sanders and uh, you know other guys retire early, but... I think, Andrew Luck, this is the most high-profile early retirement we've ever seen from football. Uh, this is the most high-profile one. I can think of some others, um, and just off the top of my head, I think the one that comes to mind is Jamarcus Russell, retired pretty early in his career as well. That's because he wasn't playing well, though. <laughs> yes. It wasn't because of injuries. You know? Right. Um, <laughs> right. I think, historically, if you want to go back and look at, uh, I think Marcus Dupree is another one. There's a great 30 for 30 on him called The Best That Never Was. Uh, kind of our older sec fan base will probably remember him um he went to southern miss uh was like but he but he next. wasn't what i'm saying is he dupree wasn't doing anything i mean he was he was andrew luck is a top bona fide top five nfl quarterback right, i mean he's right led the league in passing what twice i mean he's got uh he had the colts at 15 to 1 odds to win the super bowl they're one of the favorites in the uh, afc yeah, he, he is half of T.Y. Hilton's career. I mean, let's let's face it. T.Y. Hilton isn't the guy he is without somebody like Andrew Luck throwing on the ball. But I think it I think it goes to show you that uh, I think this is the big this is the next big chapter in the in the sort of CTE mindset, right? Yeah. Um, you had the acknowledging phase. You had the anger phase. You know, it's it's like the stages of depression, and. It, this is, like I said, I think this is a kind of a new phase where this is, I'm not going to say it's going to become common, but I think it's going to become one of those things where we look back and say, oh yeah, he was only like 24 when he retired. Yeah. I mean, we're going to say what? And it's like, yeah, that's part of the CTE thing, man. You know, he, he went full Andrew Luck. Gronkowski just retired. He's also 29. Uh, Patrick Willis retired early. Uh, the other, who's the other, another linebacker for the, it's, it is, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know if it's a new trend, but it will happen more and more often that players are retiring at the top of their game. All right, we're on the subject, well, actually. Okay, it, can, we, can we agree that we're on the subject? We're on the subject. Can I, I, I want to mention somebody else of Colts fandom that I think uh, it, it, he's kind of like a meme now more than anything, right? But and, and he's a great dude, and I love listening to his podcast. Um, but Pat McAfee's another guy who retired very young to go pursue another career. He didn't retire... I mean, he retired because he was tired of being hurt all the time. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for head issues. For him, it was his legs. He was waking up and feeling like he couldn't walk. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm 26, 27 years old. I don't want to be going through this. And left and went and did another career, and it's, it's really taken off for him. But I think that's another guy that I think he's probably the first one that I can remember that retired really young that was a multi-pro bowler, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think this is I – th- I thought it was really sad. I thought it was even sadder was he got booed off the field. Yes, that's where we were going next with this, is, is the people, you and I talked at, at length about this over the weekend, the, the people that come out and sort of really have negative things to say for the reasons, I mean, Andrew Luck retired um, because he said he, he didn't have joy in the game anymore. He said he uh, was hurt in and out of rehab, and it just kind of sucked everything out of him, and he didn't want to keep doing that. He was making a bet on his health to go kind of live a better life. Well, and, and he's a genius, too. You can't waste that brain. It's 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 insane to me that there are people that listen to what he had to say and go, oh he's he, he's he's being selfish. Oh he's being soft. It's like, and and not not fans. I'm not talking about fans. Even though though the fans booing him off the field were idiots. 
they're fans. Fans are going to do stuff, and they're living in the heat of the moment. They just spent money to go watch the team play, and and then their quarterbacks are tiring. I I I actually forgive the people that booed him more because they didn't have the same time to digest the news. But then all the media people, the Doug Gottlieb's of the world, they're coming out and and talking about how he's soft and and it's in this new weak mindset. Some people even use the word millennial because. Let me tell you why he retired. Three reasons here. One, he said it. He was hurt. He was hurt in pain. He was in pain. Going to work put him in pain. Two, he didn't enjoy football anymore. Again, he did not enjoy getting up and going to work. And three, he has other options. He's done a good job keeping up with his money. He's a really smart dude. He will have other options. So let me ask anybody else that needs something negative to say. If you were hurting... If you were miserable and if you had other options, would you keep getting up and going to the job that you're going to? No, you would not. If you had other options and your life was miserable and you were in pain, you would take those other options. It's that simple. It's that simple. It it really is. And it's really, I, I was very disappointed in what Gottlieb said. Uh, I, People love blaming millennials and saying things about millennials to be that trendy guy who associates themselves with the boomers, with the Gen Xers, right? That, oh, guys, look at me. I, I'm just like you guys. We uh, we all don't like the millennials, right? And then that gets blown out of context so much. There was, uh, after the most recent uh, mass shooting, there was somebody tweeting about, are we not going to mention how this is only millennials doing this? Yeah, that's, that's, way, out, like, that's way out of touch. It's, even, even if it's true, even if it's statistically true, even if it is something interesting to bring up, why in the world do you think this is the appropriate time to do so? How in the world is that a good idea in your mind? Um, so, you know, anyway, sorry, that's a, that's a different tangent about generational gaps and how everyone loves blaming the millennials for everything. Here's what I'll say about Andrew Luck. That is a, he's not your average guy. He's not your average, like, oh, he's a football player, you know, whatever. This is one of the smartest guys in the NFL, okay? This is a man who has a genius mind. To play at Stanford, to succeed at Stanford, to play all four years there, okay, uh, it, it takes a lot of IQ points that a lot of these guys don't have. So like you said, Andrew Luck's going to be fine, and he's got to think about the last 60 years of his life. Not the next five, not the next 10. You don't want to sit there and grit your teeth through it and say, you know, God, I don't like it, but that signing bonus, that money, you know, it's just, no. Why are you going to literally liquefy your brain so you can sit there for a couple of guys in the stands who, oh, by the way, are going to boo you when you retire for your health? Why would Um, you do that for them? What what was it? One of the... uh, one of the players, one of the former players tweeted, uh, it was the video of, of Andrew Luck being booed, and he said, Coach always said the pats on the back eventually turn into stabs. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's the mindset that these guys walk through a lot of their career with. I, wanted, I want to say one more thing, and then we, we kind of need to move on to uh, uh, college football. But um, the other thing is you, you work in sports media. I work in sports media. And we're not talking about the podcast. Our actual jobs outside of this podcast are both in sports media. Our jobs don't exist without the athletes. Right. Without the athletes that go and, and make their sac- – I know, I know a lot of them make a lot of money, so maybe you won't want to call it a sacrifice, but they do sacrifice a lot. 
But without them, without their talents, without their time, without their uh, effort, you and I don't have jobs. Or we, have, we, we don't do what we do now. We don't do what we love doing. So it, dri- it drives me up a wall when, when members of the sports media act like the athletes owe us more. Yeah. It, it's just, no, no, no. Andrew Luck should not have to keep going to a job he's not enjoying if he doesn't want to. He's a person. Just like if I woke up tomorrow and decided I didn't like what I do, it's my God-given right to go, I'm not doing this anymore. And weigh my options. And that's exactly what he's doing. Um, yeah. So. Uh, let's move on to Arizona-Hawaii. I want to spend about 35 seconds on this. Talk about the last play. Uh, talk about how uh, Cole McDonald, or he's as he's been called, Coast Malone, which is one of my favorite uh, nicknames I've heard in a long time. Probably yeah, Jake that's a good, that, is a, that is a good-ass nickname. Uh, he went 29 for 31 with 378 yards, four touchdowns, and four picks which is just quite the stat line. Not really much you can say about that. He played a great game, but, man, some of those picks were bad. One or two picks, I understand. Can't read them. Maybe it gets tipped in the air and gets picked off. I get that. Maybe you hail up a prayer at halftime. I get it. Hey, he's just a gunslinger, man. He's just a gunslinger, okay? Hawaii, they're all gunslingers. Uh, Other side of the ball, Khalil Tate got uh, pulled down. There was about eight seconds left on the final play. Ball was at about the 35. He made it. He got Kevin Dyson. He made it down to about the one-yard line and then got pulled down and the game was over. The uh, left tackle on that play, or excuse me, the defensive end on that play chased him down from the line of scrimmage all the way to the goal line to help bring him down. So good effort on that guy. Uh, Again, Arizona loses 45-38 in the final seconds of the game pretty much. Khalil Tate, 22 for 39 for 361 yards. He did throw two picks, but he had three touchdowns. He also had 13 carries for 108 yards. Okay? Brick, I I know we just talked about it. I'm going to kind of contradict myself. Not panicking after the week one games. But if you're Kevin Sumlin or you're the Arizona fan base, are you panicking? Um, As much as you can panic in a a Arizona program, you know, I I don't know that they came in with a ton of expectations other than the fact that they are coming in with what – is one of the best playmakers left in college football, Khalil Tate. Um, it stinks that you wait all offseason and lose to Hawaii in week one, but Arizona's folk more, it, it wasn't a conference game. I'll put it that way for them. I wouldn't be panicking other than the fact that, okay, maybe we figured some stuff out. Arizona can go to the Pac-12 championship if they take care of business in, in the Pac-12. I think they have the capability. I don't think they will, but... That's what they need to be more focused on. So, had they lost a week one or, sorry, week zero game to a conference opponent like that, it'd be a little different. But let's wait till they start playing some conference games, see if they can't get a little thing going with uh, Khalil Tate. Um, I think yeah. they may be panicking a little bit. I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a reason to really freak out yet. But I think it's, it's more of a body of work from Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, and this is an epitomizer of that. Um, and I think that seat's getting hotter and hotter and really got a lot hotter after this loss uh, to Hawaii, where they were, I think, a 10.5-point favorite. Um, you know, So it's just, I, I think, a couple more of these losses, and we may be seeing uh, Kevin Sumlin on the hot seat earlier than we anticipated. All right, let's move on to week one. Uh, as we are recording this, it is Wednesday night. We have games starting tomorrow night, my friend. So welcome, officially, everyone, to college football. Uh, it's, it's a doozy of a Thursday, my friend. Um, 
not really. There's not a ton of really great games here. You've got UCLA at Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to take Cincinnati there. What about you? Yeah, give me the Bearcats. Okay. Uh, we're not going to go over any of these other games. My sweetheart. Oh, Brick, can we go? Can we, can we hit the music, please? Just a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah, it takes me a so- second to find it sometimes. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I'll explain what the sweetheart is while you're doing that. Uh, Brick and I pick a team each year. We each pick a team uh, that's, you know, highest expectation is just to kind of make it to a good bowl game, right? We're not expecting them to make the playoff, but we root for them throughout the season. This year, Brick's got the Kent State Golden Flashes. I have the Buffalo Bulls. Oh, it's babe. playing for you. Buffalo is ready to go. You've got a ton of talent on this Buffalo roster. They are ready to go. They're ready to continue what they started last year. That always ends so abruptly, and I I, I love it so much. I don't want you to change it. They play Robert Morris at 4. Sorry, at 7 on Thursday. Tomorrow night. Or tonight, if you're listening to it tonight. You over? You good? Yeah. You talk I'm about done. your... Sorry, let me turn that off then. Um, yeah. Hey, both uh, of Lance, our sweethearts play actually. I, we play Pac. We play um, Pac-12 Arizona State. That's good. Hey, forks up, baby. I hope Kent State gets beat by sixty. Uh, oh, they will. Coach, Leop- Coach Leopold just signed a new a uh, a new five year deal this year too. Um, so Buffalo's Buffalo's pleased with them. You know. Um, and You've done a lot more homework on your sweetheart than. Hey, Nick Saban went to Kent State, and uh, they play Auburn this year. That's what I got shoot. for you. Okay, uh, let's move on a little bit. Uh, we've got uh, UCF and Florida A&M. I guess I'll take UCF, but I don't feel great about it. I'm joking. Uh, you've got the start of the ACC network, Georgia Tech at Clemson. Brick, does Clemson need to worry about this game at all? No, not even a little bit. They got a, they got a, a team that has been running an outdated triple option offense for the last 10 years, and now they're, not, they're, they're breaking in. Now a spread offense with a new coach in their first game having to do that against Clemson. Clemson's not going to even sweat this one. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, there may be some preseason jitters that come out during this game, uh, but that, that'll probably be But it. I can tell you after that game, uh, uh, Dabo Swinney is going to get on a plane and fly back out to his hometown of Pelham, Alabama, where his, um, where his uh, jersey is going to be retired as Pelham plays... Bibb County on Friday at the home of the Panthers. Mate, I'm going to be honest. It kind of worries me that you know that much about what Davo's doing in his weekend. It's going to my TV show. I just produced it yesterday. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird if, if, if we're being honest. Well, I keep a lot of tabs on what Davo does. He's sort of a rock star around these parts. Low yeah. key, like Davo is like really huge around Birmingham because no, obviously he's, 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 he's from here. So like he's not Saban, he's, but he's, he's, you know. He's he is uh, a product of the home of the Alabama Frozen Tide, Pelham, Alabama. By the That's way, that's right. That is right. Uh, UAB uh, plays Alabama State. By the way, we'll be covering that as well. And I'm really looking forward to another successful Bill Clark-led UAB football team this year because I love covering that team. Okay. Uh, going down the list, looking at Thursday, uh, you've got Texas A&M. We get to see Kellen Mond and Kyle Field. Uh, for the first time in the season, I will, will be watching that game just because I want to see that Texas A&M offense and how they run. Uh, but the game I'm most excited about, Brick, we're kicking off Pac-12 after dark early this year. 
and my oh my is it beautiful. You've got the Holy War, Utah at BYU. The Storm and Mormons are going to try and upset number 14 Utah, a Pac-12 favorite Utah. I do not think that'll go well for them, especially because Utah's coming after, coming off of a great year where they return a lot of uh, defensive prowess. And uh, yeah, a little different on the other side of the ball for BYU. They went seven and six last year, uh, lost to that Utah team at the end of the season. Um, that was right around Thanksgiving, 35-27. It was a pretty close game, uh, but I'm I'm still gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Utah here. Yeah, I'm, I, I think, well, you have Utah going to your Pac-12 championship, so I hope I hope you would expect them to beat BYU, or you, you don't believe in the Pac-12 at all in that case. Right, right. Not uh, that you do, but... Um, we'll move on to we'll move on to Friday. Got uh, two pretty good games on Friday. You've got uh, Wisconsin at South Florida. Get to see uh, one BB-8. If you're a, a longtime listener to the podcast, you'll remember that is Blake Barnett, someone who I got in a Twitter fight with in the offseason. That is true. I photoshopped uh, Jalen Hurts over his girlfriend uh, riding a surfboard because uh, he he did some nasty stuff on Twitter. I'm not going to get too far into it, but <laughs> I, I I I was pretty bored one night, and so that's that's what I did. Yeah, you have nothing better to do on a lot of nights than troll Blake Barnett, and I find that to be pretty beautiful, uh, honestly. I, if you ask me. I am shot he has not blocked me on Twitter yet because anything that guy tweets, I, I usually have a quip right back at him. It's the year of the gunslinger. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not yeah, you, 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 and, you and Blake Barnett have some beef, whether he realizes it uh, or not. Can we, uh, can we move on to Saturday, Whoa. right? Can Wis- we move on to Saturday? Well, no, 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 no. Wisconsin, South Florida. Who you got? Oh, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Jonathan Taylor fan. I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing him run. Uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin by 10, 14. Um, I think Blake Barnett's actually going to play a pretty good game, uh, but you're right. We've got another rivalry uh, game I've, Friday night. It's Colorado I've got State, Wisconsin Colorado. by more than 10, though. I'm taking them by probably more like 24. Oh, damn. Uh, Purdue and Nevada, we could see Malik Henry play. If things happen in Nevada's starting quarterback, Malik Henry of last chance U fame, if you'll remember. Not not a crowd favorite. Not, a, not too popular. Uh Colorado and Colorado State play. That's a rivalry game. That's your Pac-12 after dark on Friday. You've also got Oklahoma State uh, versus Oregon State, the battle for the real OSU. And now we can transition into Saturday. By the way, I'm taking Colorado and Oklahoma State in those games, respectively. Yeah, same. Let's move on to Saturday. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a whole list of games on Saturday. Not many of them are super enthralling. Um, how about I name some off and you just quickly tell me whether or not that you, you know, you're even expecting any kind of struggle here. You think FA, you think Lane Kiffin can give anything to Ohio State? Okay, so here's something that I will say. No. Right off the bat, no. I think Ohio State by like 40. But I would not be surprised if FAU takes an early lead off of some sort of trick play bull, bush league type move. Uh, you know, the new last chance you in FAU. Uh, I could see them going up, you know, three nothing, <laughs> seven nothing to start the game, and then just getting their teeth kicked. As in the rest as of the is game. tradition always, at Ohio State. Yes, it's it's always weird when you get a new coach too. Those those first few plays are always kind of odd. The um, the Urban Meyer Ohio State teams uh, were were the kings of going down like ten nothing against a team they had no business losing to after like eight nine minutes of a football game. And then we all freak out going, are they on upset alert? And then Ohio State wins at 63-10. 
Yeah, they did it at least twice last year that I can remember. They did it a uh, lot before that, too. I mean, they, they've done that forever. Years ago, by the way, I picked uh, Northern Iowa to be in my final four for my March Madness bracket. With that said, because I know that's going to play a factor in this game, can they upset Iowa State? Uh, no. No, <laughs> I think Iowa State's really good this year. Um, they had the, a top 10 rushing defense last year. They're returning a lot of those guys. Um, Ames is a weird place to play, as we all know. Good news, we get to watch this on Fox Sports 1 with their 900 graphics they run on every play, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, nothing wrong with uh, nothing wrong with really just mailing it in for a nooner. You know, crack open a cold beer and start your day off right. Absolutely. All right, we are, uh, we're, we're nitpicking too many of these games that we don't care about talking about. I want to talk about Ole Miss and Memphis. Uh, That's the ABC kickoff game at 11 o'clock. We're kind of going down the list in chronological order, if you will. So we're still in our 11 a.m. games. Ole Miss, Memphis. Ole Miss looking to sort of, hey, Matt Corral, my dude. I'm a big Matt Corral fan this year. He's funny. Okay. He was hilarious at SEC Media Days. Uh, But can they beat Memphis? Yeah. I, I Yes, I think they will beat Memphis, but I think Memphis is a good team, and I will not be surprised if Memphis wins this one. Yeah, um, as, you, as you talk, I'm sort of looking up the line for this one. Do you have the line? I do not have the line, uh, but I, I can go on a little bit. Uh, Mike Norvell's done a, a, a decent job uh, at Memphis, especially across the past few years. They're really kind of the only team that people look at to compete with UCF in the American Conference right now. Well, I guess Utah. Um, you know, and he's turned it around, and that is, there's no love lost in that game. Uh, people sort of don't realize how close Memphis is to Oxford and how those fan bases kind of weave into each other. Uh, so Yeah, I when, think- I, when, I, when I went to Alabama, when I went to Alabama Ole Miss three years ago, Jalen Hurts' freshman season, I drove up to my friend's house in Memphis a couple, maybe, yeah. Maybe an hour, I mean, maybe an hour and a half. Right That's where there. I slept that night. Uh, by the way, good job ad-libbing Memphis. I'm proud of you, buddy. And gotcha. uh, Memphis is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And I actually like Memphis wow. in this game. Uh, you know, first real start is the guy at Ole Miss for Matt Corral. I don't know. I like Memphis in this weird early season game. Yeah, I, I could see it. Like I said, I won't be surprised if it happens, but I'm always going to take the Power 5 team over the Group of 5 team. Call me biased, call me what you will, but statistics and history have shown that's the smart call. Well, let's jump right on over to, let's skip the rest of these. Let's go Bama-Duke. Uh, Alabama's going to have Najee Harris. They're going to have Brian Robinson. They're going to have Terrell Lewis, and they're going to have Devontae Smith suspended. Um, uh, Dylan Moses, as we learned, is out for the season with the torn ACL, and that's the big blow to uh, pretty much every Alabama fan's day. Um, kind of a nut kick there, kicking the nuts, gut punch, whatever you want to call it. So will that even rear its head at all in that first half against Duke? I, I definitely think it could rear its head. I don't think it's enough to really warrant Duke scoring a lot of points, but I could see a lot of third and three, third and fours that would usually be a shutdown Bama defense uh, when you've got as many underclassmen as you're going to have on the field for that first half, uh, kind of looking around at each other as to where the ball is going and what the play is. I could definitely see Duke um, not not pushing the envelope in any means of an upset because they've got a lot of pieces that they're trying to replace on their own offense. Uh, but I, I could see it being uh, way more of a struggle for Alabama's defense than I think some fans are anticipating. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Dylan Moses. Now, that is, as we know, is a a huge blow to that team. He was set to be their next All-American, a linebacker, their signal caller, um, really the leader of that defense. He was poised for a huge season. He was on the Butkus Award watch list. He was a finalist last year. I mean, I can't spell this out. I will say, the two big beneficiaries of this injury are 
Tua Tungavailoa's stats. <laughs> and, yeah. and 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide because they're going to replace him with a f- true freshman most likely. Uh, their other lo- starting outside linebacker, Josh McMillan, got hurt probably three or four weeks ago. Um, Christian Harris, another true freshman starting in his spot. There's two starting true freshmen in the middle for Alabama. If they can come in, if they can learn the ropes, if they can kind of get their crap figured out over the first two months, that experience will be invaluable. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. We, we did see injuries to linebackers really hurt Alabama at the end of last year, and even more so in 2017 when they went into Auburn and they could not handle what, uh, what Kerryon Johnson was throwing at them. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I and one thing I want to bring up too is something's got to give at Alabama practices. I don't know what's going on, but if you look at the list of players who have been hurt either before the season or in the beginning of the season, when there's not really a ton of wear and tear, but these guys keep getting hurt at practice, something's got to change. I don't know if it's you pull back the reins on how tough you know, as Saban calls it, the fourth quarter program is. I don't know if you change uh, the type of field that they're playing on maybe the turf is messing with them i don't know if you change uh their shoes make them wear knee braces you know uh during uh, tough contact drills uh maybe you put some of your players in non-contact jerseys but something's got to give to the point where you can't just we alabama cannot keep doing this to their players dylan moses lost a ton of money last night okay that's another thing recruiting is going to start getting killed at alabama if other coaches can march into living rooms and say, hey, you want to go to Alabama? You can go ahead, but he's going to injure you. Yeah, you're going to make the playoff three times, and that's great. You're also going to have two surgeries when you get there. Or you can come play at my program. We can try and compete with Alabama, and I promise you, I will try my best to not get you injured. But it will happen if you go there. I don't know how much of that is, is technically going to affect them, but you do have a point there, and I will say this. It's not happening at Clemson. It's not happening. Yes, everybody has injuries, but... Not the same level that Alabama's had at one position the last three years. Everywhere else, Alabama's been mostly fine. Yeah, they lost Trey Sanders, but that happens. Teams lose third string running backs, you know, whatever. Well, and that's that's a broken foot, too. How many different linebackers have we seen with either a shoulder issue or a knee issue uh, at Alabama? I mean, it's been at least five or six guys. This is not one or two guys. Yeah. This is one or two guys every single year. Yeah, well... You know, I still think Alabama is going to be a top three team. I don't know if this pushes them below Clemson or Georgia. It probably could. I mean, it's it's that level of injury. I do want to move on, though, because it's making me sad. I'm going to name a couple matchups. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to break these ones down because we won't have the nope. time. But you are Super going to give fire. me your winner. Northwestern Stanford. Uh, I'm going Stanford here, but not by much. Hunter Johnson, he's going to come out and show people that he's a damn good quarterback, but I'm still taking Stanford as well. Uh, Virginia Tech at Boston College. I'm going to take Virginia Tech here. They're replacing a lot of pieces uh, on both sides of the ball. They lost a lot of guys, um, lost a lot of negativity in the locker room, too. Really hoping the Hokies can turn it around, especially since I'm going there for week two to watch them in the revenge game against ODU. I am taking Steve Adazio. It's better than this. Guys being dudes. I'm taking guys Boston College. I'm taking Boston College in an upset here. I'm excited to see them come out. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's a five-point favorite, but... Something about this game at Boston College in the early afternoon. I like I like I like Boston stepping up and getting some business done. Um, going down the list, let's go. Ooh, this is a this is a tough one to predict. Let me can, tell you. Can I throw one out? I was gonna go Boise State versus Florida State in Jacksonville. I'm going Boise State. 
He's going Boise State. This is the one time I'll pick group of five. No, I can't blame you. I can't blame you. Um, I'm looking for the line here on it. Uh, that game is at, that's a 6 o'clock central game, so that's going to be around here. Florida State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I think they chose the right guy to start at quarterback. Um, James Blackman getting the start over one of my favorite quarterbacks, Alex Hornibrook. But yeah. uh, What about ooh. South Carolina versus North Carolina in Charlotte? That's another one. I'm going to go South Carolina in that one. I'm going to go South Carolina, too. I think Matt Brown is going to turn around but again at North Carolina, excuse me, but I don't think it's going to be against South Carolina. I don't think he can get it done that early in the season. Uh, but I am high on North Carolina's future, uh, just maybe not 2019. Okay, so we're both going South Carolina. I'm still going to take Florida State, but not by much. Um, okay. Georgia Vanderbilt, we both know the favorite here. Um, with Georgia's inexperience at a lot of positions, does this game start slow for them, or do you see this you know, scorched earth blowout early on. I think they come out gunning and running. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia big. I think they'll be up uh, by 14 or 17, uh, you know, uh, probably by halftime. Gotcha. Okay, so a couple more of these lower matchups here uh, before we get into the big one at the end. Uh, Virginia Tech, or sorry, not Virginia Tech, Virginia-Pittsburgh. That's a 6.30 game at Heinz Field. What you like there? I, I'm going to take Virginia here. Uh, Virginia's quarterback, help me with his name. I think it's Bryce Hall? Yeah. Something or like maybe, that. No, that's their cornerback. Hold on. Give me a second. This is embarrassing that I don't know this, and I apologize. But uh, Not that embarrassing. It's Virginia. He's, he's a scrambler. Virginia really had a good year last year. Pitt obviously won the Coastal. Virginia had a good year last year. Um, this game is at Heinz Field. Pitt's a weird team to play this year. Um I think Pitt's still trying to figure themselves out because last year they weren't supposed to be that good, and then they ended up being really good. Uh, and I think everybody was a little bit confused by that. Uh, not really good. They were good for the Coastal. Um, but, you know, I, uh, Bryce Perkins, that's his name. Um, I, I'm going to take Virginia here, uh, not with a ton of confidence, uh, but I think Bryce Perkins can get it done. I'm going to take Pitt. Uh, I don't know why. I know I picked Virginia to make the ACC championship, but whatever. I think they'll get to the ACC championship with like three losses, and I'll, I'll make this being one of them um, for no reason other than that I just want to disagree on a couple games in this podcast so we have something more to talk about next week. Uh, USC, Fresno State, you already know who I'm picking in this one. Who are you picking? I'm going to take SC. Um, I think JT Daniels can get it done. Um, I do not think that this is going to be a good year for USC. Um, I will not be surprised if Fresno State uh, upsets them, but I am going to take USC here, Power 5 again. I'm taking Fresno State outright because it helps support my prediction with Urban Meyer being the coach at USC before the end of the season's over, the de facto coach, and then it'll make it official. Um, Texas should win big. I think we are getting closer to we're going to talk about the big game. We're going to talk about the big game, and then that should be about it here. So you got the big one being... Number 11, Oregon against number 16, Auburn at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Uh, this being the primetime game for week one, the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Or sorry, this is probably the, this isn't the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Alabama's a Chick-fil-A kickoff. This is just the college football kickoff game. Who are you taking? I'm going to go ahead and take Oregon. I think Justin Herbert's going to be able to air it out um, a little bit more than Bo Nix. I don't think Oregon's defense is very talented. I don't think they're very deep, uh, but I think Oregon's more of a complete ball team right now. I think Auburn's um, going to take some time to really figure out 
who they are uh, this season, and I don't think it's going to happen against a very, very talented, high-octane Oregon offense. I'm going the other way. Um, with the Dylan Moses injury, I think Auburn's got now the best defense in the SEC this year. Uh, I, I think high enough of Bo Nix and his skills that I think that in week one, this isn't going to be like a few years ago when they couldn't figure out their quarterback against Clemson when they were putting in James Franklin and when they were putting uh, whoever else was in that horrible game plan of, of a game plan. Um, this is going to be different. They're going to use him pretty sparingly, but he's got the skills. He's got the skills to run a Malzahn offense good enough. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, so Oklahoma, or Oregon doesn't know what to prepare for, but the difference is going to be Auburn's defense. I don't think John Franklin, right? Yeah, I said James. You said James, and I was confused. I was like, "Wait, did James Franklin have a stint at Auburn that I missed?" Yeah, yeah, he was a no. He was a quarterback there just like three years ago. Yeah, John Um, Franklin. Yeah, John. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Auburn's defense is going to really give Justin Herbert fits. He did not play well against really great defenses a year ago, Um, and for that reason, I'm going to take Auburn in a uh, in a four point win. Okay, I'm going to take uh, Oregon in a 10-point win. All right, well. I think I think Herbert's really good. Uh, let's move. Can we do the Sunday and Monday matchups? Yeah, I just realized that we got a couple Sunday-Monday games left. So Sunday's going to be the Jalen Hurts debut at Oklahoma. Uh, they're playing in Norman, Houston, Oklahoma. You liking, you liking what Hurt, Jalen Hurts is going to have coming out of the gate? I, I do. Um, I'm hesitant to to say that he is going to be in I think he's going to have a big year don't get me wrong I need to see more of him than what we saw in the Georgia game this year in the SEC championship I think a lot of that was Georgia had planned for a very to a heavy offense and then didn't get that and they were kind of scrambling um no pun intended I really love Jalen you can hear in the intro he's one of my favorite college football players of all time but his heroic flaws I think will travel with him to Oklahoma I expect him to have a big game uh, but I won't be surprised if there's some jitters there at the beginning of the contest. This is one of those games, I don't think there's many games on Oklahoma's schedule that they can lose because they're just going to be better than everybody in the Big 12. I know Houston's not Big 12. They should be, probably. They but, should be. Um, this is one of the games they can lose. Early season, Sunday, strange kickoff, uh, new quarterback with Jalen Hurts. Derek King is a really good quarterback at Houston. Um, and if... Oklahoma's defense hasn't improved. He's good enough to put up a bunch of points on him. So you got to make sure that Jalen Hurts is ready to go in this new offense. And I think having a pretty much all offseason and preseason to work with Lincoln Riley will be enough. I like I like Oklahoma winning by about 17, maybe three touchdowns in this game. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really excited to watch it because this is going to be Really the only college football game I'm going to be able to consume as a fan this week. So I'm really looking forward to it. Good. Uh, last matchups, Notre Dame at Louisville. I think Ian Book's going to go off. I think Louisville's even worse this year than they were last year, if that's even possible. Ooh, um, I don't know if that's possible. I, I've got Notre Dame by 21 in this one. You know what I'm, you know what I'm realizing right now? And I, I'm usually got my pulse on stuff like this, but I can't remember who Louisville has... Scott Satterfield, that's who they replaced uh, yes. uh, Bobby Petrino with. Scott Satterfield. Yes. Man, I cannot believe that escaped my mind there. Um, no, I think Notre Dame, the line is 18. I think that's too low. I mean, Louisville yeah, I showed us nothing last year. I mean, nothing. They were awful. 
You know, so I I think that Notre Dame comes out and wins this by twenty eight. I think Satterfield's a huge pickup for uh, Louisville, but I I don't think it's going to happen this quickly. I think it's going to take some time. He was great at App State, um, but yeah, I'm expecting a big win by Notre Dame this week. Yeah, that's going to be uh that's going to not be a close one, and it's not going to be a close one early. I mean, it's going to be over before the end of the first quarter in my mind. So there you have it. There's our week one previews. Uh, week zero is over. Week one arrives tomorrow is there anything else you want to talk about while we while we have each other here uh you know i i don't know it uh we we haven't done sound offs this year yet yeah my sound off kind of came earlier i was actually planning on saving the andrew luck stuff for for my sound off so i consider mine done for the day um i was actually planning to save that to the end of the podcast but it kind of came up sort of for sort of organically there during the florida miami discussion i don't care it's our podcast but what do you got for me uh, I've got I've got a little one. It's a very baby one. If you were on Twitter and someone says something you don't like, click on them to see if they're just some stupid high school kid. I cannot tell you how many times in the past month, two months, I've seen today, for instance, Dylan Moses gets hurt. Somebody tweets, good, glad to see it, with like this gif of a guy drinking a beer and like cheersing. Okay? These people roasted this kid. Like went through his whole life. They were going on his Facebook and finding stuff out. He finally just got rid of his Twitter. Again, you don't say that. It's a really jerk thing to say. This kid was also a freshman in high school. Okay? So they're just dumb kids. Ignore them. That's my sound off. That's that's nothing, That's, that's sage advice. Yes. Don't let, don't let Twitter trolls ruin what should be a very good day for you. We live in an amazing time. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, social right quick. You can find us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe. Inter, apostrophe S interference. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Uh, we're all over the place other than Spotify as far as your uh, your listening options, whatever your podcast preference is. We are there. Uh, Pat's Interference has been a podcast that's been going on for year five now. It's hashtag uh, the grad transfer now. We're the year of the grad transfer. <laughs> I uh, think next year we're, we're grad transfer. We're going to run out. We're going to have to be a medical red shirt next year. Medical, hardship. Medical hardship. <laughs> medical hardship and then we'll be a graduate assistant um but no thank you so much for listening brick and i have always wanted to do this uh you know and uh listen with with the dylan moses stuff just please just just give us a break